Welcome to Working Towards Our Purpose, a podcast that offers a different perspective on what a job can be. For everyone out there that's heard that voice in the back of their head asking for something more, it's time to listen to it. I'm your host, Gino, and join me as I interview people who have decided to work in their own purpose. Together, we will learn, become inspired, and hopefully find our own path towards working in our purpose. Joining me today is Dan Barletta, who is one of the owners and founders of New Haven's first mobile coffee shop, The Jitterbus. If you live in New Haven, you've probably seen the hand-painted, blacked-out school bus around town. The Jitterbus has been featured in the Hartford Current, Yale Daily News, and News Channel 3, Something's Cooking. Dan, welcome to Working Towards Our Purpose. How are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me, Gina. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, to talk to you about this. I know when I first moved to New Haven, I remember seeing the bus around and just thinking like that was such a cool idea. Um, so <laughs> I'm excited you. to learn more about how it happened. Um, so sure. yeah, if, if you want to just start by you know telling us a little bit about yourself, like where you grew up and uh, did you go to college and and that sort of thing. Sure. Yeah, my name is Dan Barletta. I grew up in West Haven, Connecticut, and um, I attended Southern Connecticut State University. I was there from 2009 on and off until 2019. College was like a huge, uh, just bummer to me, I guess. I just, <laughs> I, you know, I, I was told I had to go to college right after high school. I remember wanting to like take a year to try to think about what I want to do. But, you know, everyone kind of told me, no, you got to go to college right away. And um, it just like wasn't the thing for me. I don't know. I just didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy having to go to school every day. It gave me a lot of anxiety. It wasn't that I, I wasn't interested in learning, just the college setting wasn't my favorite thing. And I was I did that on and off pretty much for nine years. And um it was like a huge struggle to me. I, I eventually finished. I, I pushed through, but it was like the biggest struggle of my life, I feel like. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that, yeah, I had a similar sort of experience with college, just feeling like you had to do it. And mm -hmm. I remember, like, I, I told, I was telling like everybody that I wasn't going to go to college up until like my senior year when it came time to like make a decision. And then I was like, all right, I guess I'll go. <laughs> yeah, same. Um, so what did you pick like when you went to college to study or did you just have like a general studies or? Yeah, at first I was undecided for a long time, just kind of getting the core classes out of the way. Uh, and then I always had an interest in psychology. So mm. I started by majoring in psychology and um, it was all interesting, but um, eventually I got to the point where I just felt like this this wasn't the career path that I was supposed to be on. Mm. And so I ended up dropping out for a couple years. And um, during those two years of me not going to college, that's when we pretty much started the idea for the Jitterbus. So I guess a, a nine year path is a little bit different than most people. Um, yeah. <laughs> how did that look to you? Like you said, you started the Jitterbus. Did you have anything else that you were doing like side jobs as far as while you were going to school and taking time off? Yeah, I worked in a, a bunch of cafes in New Haven. There was a couple periods where I was working at two at once. I was pretty much working um, every day. I, I remember there was one year I took one day off in July and it was my birthday. So even though I wasn't going to school, I was like really driven to work and make money and be able to figure things out on my own. What led you into coffee shops? Was that just out of necessity or did you want to be a barista or like, how did you get into coffee shops? Kind of by, just by chance. When I was 17, I got my first job at Starbucks. I was still in high school at that time. 
And uh, after a month of doing that, they fired me. They pretty much, looking back on it, it's funny because they they said I wasn't cut out for the job. And I always like, that always kind of pissed me off a little bit. But um, looking back on it, I was 17. I probably was like a lazy kid back then. And just, I, I wasn't the right fit for them at that time. But then once I graduated high school, I think around when I was 20, I started uh I started applying to cafes in New Haven and um, I worked at uh, three different cafes in New Haven on and off. And then um, my business partner, Paul, who I do the bus with, he was also a barista in different cafes in New Haven. And uh, he actually is the one who came up with the idea for the bus. He brought the idea to me one day and we kind of talked about it for a few weeks on and off. And eventually it just kind of all came together. Hmm. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about like the idea and where it came from and, and how you got started with the idea. Sure. So the, the idea came about Paul was, um, he, he noticed an ice cream truck and, uh, he really wanted to get a coffee from it, but they obviously didn't have coffee. And so that's kind of like how the idea was born. He thought it'd be so cool if ice cream trucks also sold coffee. Uh, and then he told me that idea. I thought it was interesting and we were talking back and forth about it for a while. And then we were both kind of overworking in cafes, pretty much like having a boss, all that. We, we just, we knew that if we had the opportunity to do it ourselves, that we would be able to do a good job. So we eventually just, just kept talking about it and talking about it until the point where it was all we were talking about. And then we, we bought a, an espresso machine online and we like hooked it up in my parents basement and started making drinks and once we started doing that we were like this is a good idea and we really wanted to pull the trigger on it and just try to make it become a reality hmm. yeah so how how did um you make it into the reality i know i, I in researching I, I read some stuff online and said that you had a kickstarter that helped you start the business uh can you talk to me more about that and like how that whole thing worked yeah so we we quickly learned it's not cheap to convert a school bus into a cafe. So we started a Kickstarter project, gave out rewards for people that donated. Our goal was 5000 And I think we raised a little bit more than that. I think we raised around 5200 Um, And that was from friends, family, and even strangers that came across the Kickstarter online. Thought it was a cool idea and donated to us, which was awesome because at that time, we had no following at all. You know, we were like just an idea still at that point. And then we also, uh, every week our paychecks, we threw into it. We were lucky to still be living at home with our parents. So it was easy to kind of throw all the money we had it, uh, into it to make it become a real thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So did you, uh, always have the idea of like getting a school bus or was it like kind of a food truck idea and the school bus popped up? The name came first, the jitter bus. Okay. And then uh, we looked at a couple different food trucks that people were selling, um, but they were like in really rough shape. They were like from the 1970s. Uh, we looked at this one. It had this like huge, the stick, uh, the, the shifter stick. Yeah. I'm a, Manual I'm a, transmission. <laughs> I'm not a mechanic at all. I don't know anything about cars, but uh, it was like one of those things, but it was like huge. It was really long and it just like, mm-hmm. it didn't go into second gear. And we almost bought it, and I'm so glad we didn't, because I feel like we wouldn't be around anymore if we if we, <laughs> if we did that. But we were on Craigslist, and we found 
the bus we have now, relatively cheap. I think we bought it for around 3,500. Uh, it only had like 130,000 miles on it, which is pretty good for a diesel engine like that. And um, it was already painted black, which was cool. It was originally like a handicap accessible school bus. It had like a giant wheelchair ramp on it. We had to like gut all of that out of it. But yeah, it was, um, we found that in February of 2015. And then we spent all of 2015 building out the bus and we opened pretty much exactly one year later in 2016, February of 2016. Hmm. Wow. So was it just you and your your friend, Paul? How did um, the partnership of of you guys starting a business together look like? Was it just like you figuring it out as you go along or did you like think about write a business plan, that sort of thing? Mm-hmm. Originally, it was me, Paul, and our, our other friend, Andrew. He, he has since moved on from the business to do other things. We're still really good friends with him. But yeah, it was the, originally the three of us. And we, yeah, we just like, we were all three of us were good at specific things. Paul was really good at because he used to be a tattoo artist before we did this. So oh, cool. he did all the design work. That's like his area of expertise. Andrew was really good at figuring out all the licensing and things like that. And I was like, because I had been working two jobs, I was always really good at saving my money too. So I was like the main one throwing in some money for it, I guess. I helped like fund a lot of it. And um, just also had like a bunch of good ideas in terms of like, what types of drinks we should be making and where we should park. Originally, I thought we were going to like drive around the city, kind of like a nice cream truck in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we learned in New Haven, you have to like pick a location and you can only basically buy a, uh, a license to be in that spot. And then you can only park there. And if you want to park somewhere else, you have to trade with other vendors. Um, mm-hmm. So I learned quickly that the idea of driving around the city just wasn't going to happen because it basically wasn't allowed. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I bet there's a lot of different regulations and rules that you didn't know about getting into it. How did you first learn about that sort of thing? Was it like talking to the town and trying to get the the permits and stuff like that? Yeah. Talking to, talking to the city and just by trial and error, like our first day we went out, uh, it was a little different back then. The areas that you could park in were kind of different than they are now. So we parked at cross campus downtown and that was originally we were like this is going to be the perfect area we're going to park here every day and then on the first day someone from the city came and kicked us out said you're not allowed to vend here so we were quickly like kind of like in shock like well we've been building this for a year and we were i I think we actually were told that it was okay to vend there but they they gave us the wrong information so we were going off this like idea that actually wasn't going to be it wasn't going to work at all. And we had to f- quickly figure out, all right, well, where are we going to park now? And, but we found our spot that we're in now Monday through Fridays. It's at the corner of Grove and Hill house. Um, we found that maybe two, three months in to opening and we've been there ever since. Hmm. Awesome. Um, so can you tell me a little bit more about like the first year in business and like you alluded to, there's some challenges that you had to overcome and that sort of thing. Were you still like working at your cafe jobs at the time and, and kind of doing it part-time until you realized it was enough to, to catch on or how, how did that transition work? We did. Yeah. We worked part-time at our cafe jobs and part-time on the bus. And we did that for about two years until we quit our actual jobs to do this full-time. 
what what were some of the things that you learned in the first year and like things that you had to overcome? I'm sure the idea had to evolve as, as you put it into practice. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot. I mean, I would say our biggest challenge was winter time because all of our equipment has water in it. All of our pipes have water in it. We didn't have a garage to park the bus. And so all this stuff was exposed to the cold of the winter. And we had read online that if you let an espresso machine freeze, then it's basically going to break and there's no repairing it. So we were always really nervous about that. We were trying to figure out ways to keep it warm in there without that happening. And there was one winter, I, I believe it was our first winter, we, we were running a space heater in, in the bus just to keep it warm overnight. Someone forgot to plug it in and everything froze. The espresso machine, the inside of it basically exploded. So did our coffee brewer. So that was tough because those are our, those are our two main pieces of equipment and they're super expensive. An espresso machine could be anywhere between five to 12,000 or more sometimes. So that was a huge hit for us. And, um, but it was, you know, it taught us like the winter's serious. Like you got to be on top of keeping things warm and it's something to really pay attention to. Otherwise it could totally happen again. Yeah. That's something I wouldn't even ever think about, but totally makes sense that you got to, yeah. you know, you winterize all kinds of equipment, but your bus you're using every day, but at night things freeze. And yeah, that seems like yeah. a big learning lesson. <laughs> so did you, did you have to go and buy like a new espresso machine after that? We did. Yeah. Yeah. It was tough. We, um, we found one, we still have it today. It's been years now that we've had it. Uh, we found it in New York City. This guy was selling it. At that time, we only had, I think, $5,000 in our bank account. And that's how much he was selling it for. Or no, I'm sorry. He was selling the espresso machine for 5000 And we only had 4500 in our bank account. So we were like, all right, great. What are we going to do? And so we went down there to buy it with only $4,500, hoping that he would just knock off $500 for us. And thankfully he, he did, but we were worried the whole ride down that it was just like, we were going to be driving there for no reason, basically. And he was going to turn us away, but he was a cool <laughs> guy and he, and he gave us an, a nice deal on it. Nice. That's, that's awesome. I'm glad it worked out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when you first started and you know, you're, you're out there selling coffee, how did you get people to first know what the bus was all about? Like, did you do any sort of marketing or like getting yourself out there? What did that look like? It was definitely hard in the beginning because, um, we didn't have as much artwork on the bus at that time. So it was really just a black school bus with a menu. It said the jitter bus on it at least, but it looked a little sketchy. I'm not going to lie. It was kind of like, what is this thing that they're selling food out of? I don't know if I want to walk up to it. it I totally understood that. Like it, it was a weird thing to see at first. And I would basically stand outside of it and just hand out samples of coffee, trying to get people to come up to us. And that helped a lot. Also, we had an Instagram and we were, you know, trying to be active on that to try to try to spread the word and, Word of mouth, really, that was like the best way that people found out about us. We had a lot of friends in New Haven, so that that helped. Um, we told them, they told their friends, and it kind of just spread as time went on. Hmm. Yeah, I guess it is kind of a, a new idea that people aren't really familiar with. So you kind of have to like educate people that it's basically a coffee shop on a bus because just walking by, like people at first wouldn't really understand that. Um, yeah. So I guess I guess nowadays people know who you are. They they see the bus and they know that it's you guys. 
do you do anything nowadays as far as like continuing to spread the message or, or do anything with marketing or, or social media? Yeah, we're, we're pretty active on social media, mostly Instagram, a little bit of Facebook. My fiance tells me I really need to get a TikTok. Um, <laughs> but I just like, I haven't gotten into TikTok yet. I feel like, I feel like I'm finally too old for certain social media platforms and mm-hmm. I could be wrong. I don't know, but, um, She's always telling me we got to get a TikTok and that it's going to help us out a lot. Mm. Yeah, I, I feel you there as far as being too old to get on TikTok, but I certainly see the value of it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I know tons of businesses are using it. So maybe maybe we'll have to uh, dive into it one day and, and figure yeah. out what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> so I also wanted to ask you about like the pandemic and how you guys got through the pandemic. Because, you know, obviously you're an in-person business, not necessarily brick and mortar, but food truck style business. How, how did you guys handle the pandemic and were you shut down at the beginning of it? Yeah, the pandemic was tough. There was a ban on food trucks in New Haven from, uh, I think it was March to June of 2020. So during that time, we were just like not allowed to vend that. And also we didn't really want to vend because it was very early on. We didn't know like how bad things were going to get. It was almost like, is it too risky for us to even work right now? Like it was just so confusing at that time. So during those months where we couldn't vend, it was a bummer, but we were kind of like, let's at least just take this time and make sure, try to figure out what's going on before we can open again. And so we couldn't vend, but instead we sold uh, bags of coffee beans and we did like delivery. We, we pretty much drove around New Haven every day, dropping off bags of beans to uh, people that wanted to buy them like at their house and, or their apartment. And we would do online payment. So it was no contact. And it wasn't as good as just being open as normal, but it helped get us through time where we couldn't vend at all. It allowed us to still be able to pay ourselves, which was huge. Because at first I was worried, you know, what, how are we going to pay our bills, our rent, all that. And um, But we were lucky to be able to figure it out to make just enough to stay afloat. And then once things opened in June, we were out there again vending, but there was a lot less people around. There was no students around because everything was remote. And the people that were walking around, a lot of them, you know, they probably didn't really want to stop because they weren't ready for things being open like that. And it was it was tough. But uh, looking back on it, you know, Going through it, it was really scary and I wasn't sure what was going to happen. But looking back on it, I'm pretty proud about how we pulled through it and came out stronger in the end. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I mean, you completely kind of changed your business model to react to what was happening in, in real time. And I think a lot of businesses didn't really do that or think about that. Did you guys like sit down and brainstorm like ideas of like, hey, what what can we do during this time? Because I think that's, you know, a really good idea of you guys delivering beans to people's doors. Yeah, definitely. And um, we had like, before we shut down, we had like a ton of milk, like whole milk, skim milk, soy, almond, oat. And it was sitting in our refrigerator and it was all going to go bad. So we sold all that stuff off too. We had some merch that we sold at like discounted prices. Um, We pretty much sold off everything that we had to sell. Um, and it works. I mean, we, we pulled through and it was such a, just a weird time, not knowing what was going to happen. It's still a little weird, but I mean, you know, nowhere near as weird as it was, but Mm -hmm. it was tough in the beginning. 
Yeah. And how long did it take for people to come back to the capacity at which they did before the pandemic? I mean, it must have been like months and months of people slowly starting to come back. Yeah, I would say that whole summer was pretty slow. And then in the fall, the students didn't come back. So that was another huge hit because we get a lot of our business from students. And with them not being there, it's just it's it's so much slower without the like even the summers now are are really slow but we we expect that in the summertime but for the fall to come and then no students were around it was kind of like it was daunting it was like you know this is not really working right now but eventually the students came back uh and when they did it was like everything exploded we were doing so much more in sales than before the pandemic so once things like really opened up students came back to school we noticed like a huge increase in business, which was such a relief because we had gone months or at least a year of just wondering, uh, are we going to bounce back from this and get back to what we were doing before the pandemic? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's, I think, uh, also an interesting point you bring up about New Haven is like, it's so student based and summer times are lighter for a lot of businesses. Um, yeah. do you guys kind of like plan for that? Do you have like summer hours or how do you deal with the changes of like students being here and not students being here? Um, sometimes we take on more events. We usually do a couple weddings in the summertime. There's like other work events that businesses will hire us for to come and serve like at their at their office or whatever the place is to, to serve the staff. That helps out a lot. We also take the summertime though as like, it's slower, but it's kind of like a little bit of a break for us. Because when the students are here, there are days we have a line from the minute we open till we close, and uh, it's great. It's you know, it's it's good to be doing so well. But in the summertime, when it's slower, it really is like a break for us too. Like right now on the bus, it's me and Paul, and you know, we'll take we'll we'll close a little bit early on some days when it's slow, or we'll take a few days off and go somewhere. So it's like a good balance, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you guys also do the uh, the farmers market in Worcester Square on Saturdays. Um, yeah. How is that for you guys, business wise? Because I noticed there's always like a line. It seems from opening to close, there's like always yeah. a huge line there too. <laughs> yeah, the farmers market, uh, the Worcester Square farmers market is huge for us. Um, that's like our it's our absolute busiest day of the week every week for the entire year. Um, even in the winter time when it's cold, we always have a huge line out there and. Um, we, we started doing the farmer's market maybe a year into being open and it's just been so great. We love City Seed and that market has really like helped us spread the word about us um, because with students where we park at our normal spot, a lot of the students, you know, they're great, but eventually they graduate and they leave and we never see them again. But when we're at the market, we're really, we're really showcasing who we are and what we sell to the community of New Haven, the people that live there, especially all the people that live in Worcester Square. So it's nice to be able to, you know, offer what we have to people who live in New Haven as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's definitely like a whole different target market than college students. Um, how did you first get into farmers markets? Because I know City Seed is a little bit restrictive at that farmers market because it's such a big one and um, yeah. there's certain requirements you have to meet. Was that a challenge to get into the market? Um, not really. I mean, at first we found out about the farmer's market and we were like, well, this is cool. We should, we should totally park here. And we found out you have to apply and then like wait for them to approve it. 
and uh, we were kind of like, uh, I don't want to do all that. So we'll park like a little bit down the street and people will walk over to us. And we were doing that for a little bit. And then <laughs> probably wasn't the best way to go about it, but we just, we had that mindset where it's like, we're a mobile cafe and no one's going to stop us from parking a little bit down the street. We'll just do that. But then eventually someone from City Seed came over and they, at first I thought they were going to be kind of mad. Like, what are you guys doing? But they were like, this is great. You guys should really apply and be a part of the market. And we did. And uh, we've been doing it ever since, which is about seven years now. Wow. So you bring up seven years. You guys have been a, a cafe bus for the past seven years? Yes. Uh, we opened in uh, February of 2016. Wow, that's that's certainly a long time to be in business. Um, did you ever think at the original idea that you guys be in business for this long? Um, not really. No, I mean, I I actually didn't think I didn't think I would do it full time. I thought it would always be a part time kind of thing. I always thought that I'd have to go and find a job somewhere else, do that full time, and this kind of would be a secondary thing. That was how it originally felt. But then once we started doing this full time and it just started to grow and grow, it, it became more apparent that we enjoyed doing this. It's tough. It's hard. But, you know, we love working for ourselves and putting out our own product and it makes it worth it at the end of the day for us. Mm -hmm. And and when when you did make that transition to be full time, was it did it feel like risky or scary uh, or, or was it, did it all make sense? And you're like, yeah, if we do this more time, we'll be able to cover ourselves. No problem. I imagine it was somewhat of a risk, right? It was definitely a risk. It was definitely scary because my actual job, I, I thought of it as a safety net. I thought like, you know, if something happens at the bus, it's not working out. At least I have my job to fall back onto. So once I left that, it was kind of like, all right, I'm all in now. Like everything has to work. There's no going back. <laughs> right. And and was that job uh, like a cafe job that you had or was it a different? Yeah, it was. Uh, I worked, I was working at uh, Maison Matisse, downtown New Haven, which mm -hmm. was a really cool cafe. Um, I, I, it was actually, you know, sad when I quit that place because I, I had been there for, I think about three years and the staff was always very cool. It was an enjoyable place to work. So it it was tough to, lose that safety net, but it was also definitely necessary for me to grow the business to what it is today. Mm -hmm. It yeah. would have been a lot harder to do if I was still working part-time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely something I've noticed, like trying to do two things at once or be in two places at once. You can only devote so much energy to one thing. Exactly. Um, so I think when you like kind of go all in on something, it even gives you like more of a pressure of to, to force it to be successful because it's the only thing that you have. Yeah. So do you guys have any plans, uh, like future plans as far as like expanding or like maybe getting a physical location one day or, um, is, is the bus the way it is, how you envision it? We have plans to open a storefront brick and mortar location. It's currently in the works. We're trying to figure out all the logistics behind that, but yeah, that's, I think that's our plan to get a storefront, still do the bus, but have like a home base where we could basically a storefront that will allow us to do more than what we're doing now. Because right now, the bus, we park it. We used to park it in Paul's backyard. Uh, he moved out of there, so now it's parked in my driveway. And it's it's nice having it at my house, but it's tough because 
it's just, you know, I have to store everything at my house and, um, I live in new Haven, but it's kind of far from our location. So we have to drive in and out every day, but we're, yeah, we're trying to get a storefront location that'll basically work as a home base. And, um, it's, it's going to be a lot of work, but we're totally up for it. Hmm. Nice. That's awesome. So you'll have like a coffee shop and then also the school bus to work out of. So yeah, that, I'm, I'm sure that brings up like a whole new list of things that you've never done before or have to learn how to do. What's that been like as far as like how to go about getting a storefront and like leasing a place? Have you learned from anybody? Have you gotten like help from anybody as far as like how to go about that? Yeah. So we, um, we, we found help with this guy. Uh, his name is Mark Hales. Uh, they basically help uh, small businesses start up in New Haven. They help them find ways for funding and just they have like a bunch of people like they have someone who's good at accounting that you could talk to them they have someone else that's they're they're good at team building so you could talk to them about how to like hire a staff and keep them happy and it's it's been such a huge help to us and um anyone starting a business in new haven I, i feel like they should totally use them because there's no way to know everything and it's just great to have like a a an organization that that helps you know make all this make sense because it, at first it doesn't make sense it's it's really daunting and i could totally see why someone would have the idea for a business they start to get into it and then they realize you know this is so much confusing work i don't think i'm gonna pull the trigger on this anymore i think i'm just gonna you know work my safe nine to five job and just be happy with that so it's it's totally important to, to ask questions and find help in this stuff for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely some good advice and something that I've always struggled with is asking for help and like, uh, even knowing like where to go to ask for help. But I've noticed that like networking and meeting people is like, for me, the best thing to just get information from people who have done things similar before. Um, how did you go about finding, uh, this guy, you said his name is Mark Hale, Mark Hales. Yeah. Mark Hales. Um, they're like a consulting business that um, you're kind of hiring on or how, how does it work? Um, we found him through, we were trying to get a business loan from our bank and um, they referred us to this guy. They said he's he's huge help and uh, he'll be able to answer basically any question you have, which he has been able to do that. So let's see, I have it here. It's the SBDC. I forget what that acronym stands for, but... Oh, Small SBDC. Business Development Center. There we go. Yeah, you got it. Nice. <laughs> uh, and they're just, they're, they're really great. They've, they've helped us out so much. Nice. That's awesome. I'm, I'm glad the, that they're helping you out. And uh, w- I mean, what does it even look like for real estate in New Haven? I mean, there's so much like new construction going up. I, I know even just in Worcester Square, there's tons of like new brand new retail space. I imagine yeah. that's way different than like the older stuff that's been around and locations mm-hmm. probably, you know, affect the price of things do you guys have like any idea like where you want to be or where it's possible to be definitely downtown area i think we're leaning towards Worcester square area where the farmer's market is that's just such a good spot there's Mm -hmm. some coffee spots down there but there's not very many downtown there's like one on every block um Mm -hmm. so it'd be nice to be somewhere where there's a little bit less coffee which is hard to do i mean we're in new haven and there's there's so many cafes in new haven but Mm-hmm. I think Worcester Square area. We actually looked in uh, one of those huge like uh, 
condo buildings that they put up recently. Um, we, we, we looked there, they had a retail space available, but it was like the price they wanted for rent. It was just, it was too crazy for us. We, there was no way we were going to comfortably sign that lease and pay it every month. So we passed mm-hmm. on that. Um, we've looked at a couple other places. It's definitely high. The rent is high. That's for sure. But I mean, that's, I think just the cost of doing this, you know, it's, it's, it's not easy. It's not going to be cheap, but, um, it's doable and you gotta, gotta have the confidence. There's people doing it now, you know, they're making it work. And I feel like that we'll be able to as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that that's a good attitude to, to go into it. I think it's really easy to just get overwhelmed by things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know like for my business, I've always tried to keep overhead like at zero just because it seems less risky that way. Cause it's like, Oh, well, I don't have anything into it. So mm-hmm. it's just my time sort of thing. And maybe a little bit here and there, but I think that also kind of limits you to like where you can go and what you can do. Definitely. Um, so yeah, that's it. That's a, I think a good perspective to have is just other people are doing it. So, you know, we can figure it out too. Right. So are you, did you, you said something before, are you the, like the finance guy for, for Jitterbus or are you the one kind of like crunching numbers and stuff? Yeah. Um, so how, how is that? Like, what's the perspective of that on the business? I imagine like seeing actual numbers and projections and stuff, it could go either way, like give you confidence that you guys can do this or can, you can look at those numbers and be like, wow, it's a lot of money, like, and be, you know, be daunted by it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny because, um, I've never been a math guy at all. I, I kind of, this kind of just fell into my lap as not my responsibility, but it's like, I'm good at like figuring this stuff out for the business. And it's, it's been great, honestly, um, because the numbers have been very positive. So, uh, <laughs> we, we've increased our, our, our revenue every year since we've opened. So just That's seeing right. the graph go up, um, it makes it a lot easier to work with. <laughs> yeah, if it was the other way around, I, I would like probably be losing it and, and freaking out, but everything's been good. So it, it makes it easy to, to work with that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's always a good thing when the graphs trend upwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I did want to ask you too about, um, do you guys have imp- like other employees that you hire for, for working on the bus? Um, or is it just the two of you? Right now, just the two of us. I think once we eventually get this cafe space going, uh, that's when we'll have to hire people for sure. And it's like, it's, it's weird to think like we're going to be somebody's bosses because we don't think of ourselves that way. But it's it's definitely like a whole mindset we got to get into. We got to be able to manage people. We want to create uh, an enjoyable place to work because we've worked at places that we have enjoyed and we've worked at places that we didn't enjoy. And it's 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 easy to see the the um what's the word I'm looking for um the like company culture. Yeah, exactly. Like the, there there have been places I worked where just the management was just so bad and and no one wanted to be there. And it was so obvious. And once it's like that, the product really suffers because nobody cares. And the places I've worked where it was enjoyable and um, everyone was getting along, you know, the product was way better. And I mean, that, that goes without saying, but um, it, it seems like a thing that like some places just don't understand, you know, like they don't treat their staff right and they expect everything to work well anyway. And it's just, I don't understand that, but um, that's definitely not the type of place we're trying to be. We definitely want to make a place that's enjoyable to work and people, you know, want to come in and, and, and work with us. And that's going to be like a huge, a, 
a huge thing for us, just making sure everyone's happy. Um, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it is work. You got to show up and all that, but we want it to be a place that you want to come to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good point. I've got a couple more questions for you as uh, we're coming to the end of our time. Um, I did want to ask you about like the word success and like what does success mean to you? Because I, I think it can mean many different things for many different people. Mm-hmm. Um, but just curious to to see what, what it means to you. Success to me, for me, success was, I was talking about this a little bit earlier with college. Um, you know, I just didn't enjoy it, didn't have a good time. And I felt at that time, that I was setting myself up for failure. And I was just, you know, really worried about the future. I I didn't know what I wanted to do. I wasn't sure if I was gonna, you know, what I was gonna amount to or anything like that. And I really found my success with the bus by, and it's not about like making money to me, you know, it's to me, it's about being happy with what you're doing and building the bus, getting it up and running and, and then, seeing it grow like to me that was that's my success you know being from a place where i felt really just you know i i felt like i wasn't going anywhere and it was sad you know i i like really struggled with it and then um we built the bus got it up and running and i saw how well it was doing and how it was making people happy which was making me happy and just being able to figure something out on my own and enjoy what I do for work. That was basically how I felt like I was becoming successful. And um, it's, it's, you know, it, it pulled me out of that weird funk that I was in where I felt like I don't like going to college. And because of that, I'm not going to amount to anything. And it showed me that, you know, you can do other things. You don't need to go to college. I finished college, but uh, Paul, my partner, didn't go to college. And, you know, we worked the same job and we're just as happy. And um, it's, it's definitely been an experience being able to build something and uh, have it have it work and have people enjoy it. To me, that's my success, I would say. Yeah, no, I, I think you put that well and articulated that well. I think it seems like it's given you like a, a purpose, like a greater purpose. purpose. For sure. Whereas I think like, at least in my experience, going to college, getting the job you're supposed to, like that was the thing that was missing for me. There was none, I, I wasn't like connected to the job at all. I was just like doing it and eventually questioning like, why am I doing this? Like, I don't like doing this. Why am I here? It's draining. It's to think to do that for the next 30, 40 years, you know, something mm-hmm. that you don't really enjoy. It's like, you know, everyone has to work and make money and and, and all that. And, you know, I, I'm not one of those people that think there are bad jobs. I think you know, if you're working and you have a job, like it is what it is. Um, but I, I also think that like, you really should be doing something you enjoy. And I feel like a lot of people kind of miss out on that and it's tough, but you know, you really got to take risks in order to to be happy with what you do. Mm-hmm. I agree. Well said. So thanks for, uh, for joining me on this podcast. I really appreciate your time. Um, if people want to like find out more about you, uh, where can they do that? We have a website right now, thejitterbus.com. It's still in the works. You could go there. There's not much there right now, but um, we're working on it. Also, Instagram, our Instagram handle is jitterbuscoffee. And you could find us on Facebook as well. Um, those are the two main places to find us. All righty. Well, well, thanks so much, Dan. And uh, look forward to what the Jitterbus has in the future and possibly a, a future physical location. 
Awesome. Thanks, Gina. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for tuning in and listening to Working Towards Our Purpose. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend. And don't forget to subscribe for more episodes.